share? No. I've been thinking, I want this baby to have a normal life. Our child will be heir to the kingdom. Still, I went to public school, and I was riding the subway by myself when I was 10. We'll find a new definition of normal together. No subway riding. Well, luckily for you, Aldovia doesn't have a subway. <laughs> Tonight, your majesties will sign the truce between Aldovia and Penglia. I'll be the first queen to sign it. Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah Iftdecker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by Megan Griffin, who I guess is now officially Media Evil's Netflix Christmas correspondent. I love To that. discuss the... Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> And we're going to be discussing the medievalism of the film A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> I like that I just went with Merry Christmas, despite like being Jewish, but that's fine. <laughs> I, you know, it. I'm going to just come out and say it before we even start this. I, this movie had me tearing up by the end. I had a... I had a <laughs> you know, a, a happy moment. So, you know, the holiday, the holiday cheer was there. Yeah. <laughs> so Megan, welcome. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and about uh, how you came to end up talking about this particular movie? <laughs> I guess I have officially become the Netflix Christmas movie correspondent. I think that was because I bravely volunteered to discuss uh the Christmas night or something. A night before Christmas. That's what it is, yes. Many, many years ago. And yeah, and we're just continuing that tradition. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. As for my uh, medieval knowledge, minimum. Still minimum. <laughs> Wonderfully so. <laughs> Which is fine. Yes. And as is the uh, medieval content, to be honest, of this movie. But, <laughs> uh, you know... I have Despite that, questions? I have seven pages of notes. <laughs> okay, good, because I have questions. I was like, are we referencing things? Is this movie trying to be smarter than it is? <laughs> and I'm going to guess based on that, no. <laughs> I also have questions. <laughs> I have answers. The answers might be invented, but... That's fair. <laughs> also questions. Uh, so yeah, so this is uh, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby, which is the third installment of the Netflix Christmas Prince series following A Christmas Prince and A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. Uh, and Megan, have you seen the entire <laughs> series? Uh, I don't think I've seen A Royal Wedding, but I okay. could be wrong. It's been, what, five years since that movie came out? Yeah. And I would not have watched it sober, let's be honest. So. That's fair. <laughs> it's a, better not. They're all better not watched. So I was I gonna say. say, yeah. I I I remember the first one, and it, I love Rose McIver. I am so glad I have seen her in other things because these movies don't do her acting skills justice. They do <sighs> not. <laughs> have you seen all three now? Yes. Yeah, so I have now seen all three, and uh, I've also seen uh, all three installments of the Princess Switch series, which does exist in the same Christmas extended Netflix universe, as does A Night Before Christmas. Yes, that's... Oh my god, yes. I 
that is one of those things that I both know and I'm always surprised to hear. But I do remember having a moment of thought where I was like, oh, yeah, aren't these all the cinematic universe? And what does that imply? In in the night before Christmas, she has like an acorn Christmas ornament, which is the same as the one that's in the first uh, Christmas Prince movie and like crucial to the plot. Yes. And like says in the movie, actually, that like my parents picked this up in Aldovia. Yes. That I remember. Yeah, they also in that movie like watch other Netflix Christmas movies, which I feel like really messes with it. <laughs> but then <laughs> one of the princesses, one of the triplet whatevers, the either they're at the wedding or vice versa. I I think it's vice versa. Right. I think it's that this couple, I think it's that, uh, I've forgotten their names already, Amber and Richard, show up at, like, a wedding or a coronation or something in right. one of the Princess Switch movies. Okay. Right. Yeah. Nope. That's the most... <laughs> it hangs by a thread, as most things with Netflix. Yep. yep. As does <laughs> the plot of these movies. Yes. <laughs> So this stars uh, Rose McIver as Amber, and uh, I've seen her in iZombie, which I which I really enjoyed. Um, that's the only thing I've seen her in, but it is because of that that I know that she can act, which I would yes. not have learned from watching these movies. No, there was, there was a moment I had to pause. She had a nightmare, and I was just like, Rose, honey, what is going on? Because... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> If you haven't seen this movie, go watch that scene. It is very clearly she is working with what she has been given. She's trying. Uh-huh. She's trying. I think they also maybe should have pulled the wardrobe people from iZombie for this. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for I have so sure. many thoughts about the clothing in these movies. Uh we also star uh, Ben Lamb as King Richard. Then there's an assortment of other people that I have to admit, like, I have not seen most of these people in anything. No. Alice Krieg, who's Queen Helena, did uh, make a previous appearance on this podcast. She was in the film Solomon Kane, playing a, like, Puritan lady. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, and uh, Sarah Douglas is Mrs. Averill, and she plays the evil Queen Tamaris in Conan the Destroyer. Oh. And I have not actually seen it, but I do feel the need to mention it, because when I was Googling, I saw the outfit that she wears in Conan the Destroyer as the evil queen, which is, like, an outfit that would, I think, like, give the character of Mrs. Averill an immediate heart attack. Amazing. I'm going to have to Google this now. I'll save that for after. <laughs> so just wanted to give give her a bit of a shout out. Enumeratio. So for the uh, enumeratio or recap, I figure uh, we should give a a brief recap of the events of the first two films before getting into the details uh, of A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby. So we start with Amber, who is a journalist who is allegedly from New York, despite being literally the most Midwestern person (laughs) in world history. Yes. And she's like, and at first I was like, oh, so she moved to New York and then just like born and raised. I'm like, no, thank you. No, it's there's no way. I'm sorry. (laughs) This woman has this woman barely seems like she's been to New York. And like, not to be stereotypical, but like, I lived in New York. You've been to New York. Like you lived in the Northeast. I lived in New York for a couple of years. Oh, you did live in New York for a couple of years. Um, Yeah. Like, 
I don't know if I've ever met anybody who was truly born and bred New York that is that nice and timid, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, it's not, it's just like, she doesn't take up space. Yeah, she seems very unobtrusive. Often she's very hesitant about speaking up for herself. Yeah. Which, yeah, is not is not the typical New York personality. She also does not dress like a, no. you know, like a New Yorker. No. Like, like, she has a lot of, like, weird, like, cardigans of, like, very preppy cardigans and, like, a lot of bright colors. Yes. Yeah, it's. Midwestern is very much yes that is a good way of putting it (laughs) but allegedly she is from New York and uh, then is sent on assignment to Aldovia where she ends up posing as the tutor to uh, the to Princess Emily while she's supposed to be investigating the assumed to be King Richard obviously falls in love with Richard and then there's this whole thing where she accidentally finds paperwork demonstrating that he was secretly adopted and then be uh, with the like wiles of his wicked cousin Simon, he is uh, almost not able to take the throne. But then, last minute, Amber finds like at a an acorn Christmas ornament, which for some reason is where Richard's father put the draft of the legislation, of, like the decree demonstrating that he changed the law so his adopted son could be king. I've seen this movie. I remembered the first sentence that you said <laughs> that she was a journalist that she posed as a nanny or a tutor or whatever. That is buck wild. Like I, as you said it, I was like, right. "Oh, I remember this damn acorn now." That is why the acorn is in the movie. Okay, I had totally forgotten that to be honest, <laughs> until I like I just rewatched the entire set of three movies in preparation for this podcast, and that is the only reason I remember that detail. Amazing. <laughs> He becomes king, obviously, on Christmas, because everything in Aldovia happens on Christmas. Clearly. It's so weird. I'm going to have, to, like, a lot of discussion about this in my uh, Good, okay. discussion of Aldovia's past. Um, and then he travels to New York to propose to Amber on New Year's Eve with an also, in my opinion, hideous engagement ring. Fair. <laughs> So then the next movie, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, is when they get married. They've been having this long-distance relationship. We obviously need conflict now that they're about to get married. So the conflict first is that Mrs. Averill has gone from being, like, a little bit stiff but, like, nice enough to being this, like, wicked dictator set on uh, making, like, making protocol happen in the palace and uh, they've, like, brought in, like, Sahil, this, like, wedding designer who is, like, and, like, between the two of them, they're not giving Amber any control over the wedding, which obviously is the worst thing that can possibly happen, because if a wedding is not your personal vision, then why even bother getting married? <laughs> As we have learned from the American wedding industry. <laughs> I mean, yes. Are Sahil and Andrew in one of the princess swap movies? Oh, are they? I don't know, because they looked familiar to me, but I haven't seen the second one. But that could just be, I mean, they are very generic gay tropes, so it could just be Yeah, that. so it might just be that there's a different gay trope. But now I have to rewatch the Princess Switch movies <laughs> to see if they show up, obviously. So, and then also, like, also, like, Amber's blog is subject to censorship because it is a breach of protocol, etc., 
Richard also has this new Aldovia initiative to like modernize the Aldovian economy. It's all very vague in terms of how it's actually working. The dastardly unions dare to go on strike right before Christmas. Uh, this is like vaguely a subtly super anti-union movie, I feel like. Because oh, no. then there's a whole thing where they put on like, so Emily, the princess, like her, the little sister, her Christmas pageant gets like canceled because the unions are like the theater workers are on strike. And okay. so then they put on like a scab production of the oh, pageant no. in the palace. Oh, Emily, no, honey. I mean, to which I which I blame Amber because it's her idea. Oh, I don't blame Amber, the no. like like I, I blame her, not the thirteen year old. I assume the uh, male child that it comes up in this movie. I say child; he's probably a teenager. Uh, that hangs around Emily was featured in the second movie. Yeah, so she like expressed that she had a crush on him, and the uh, they were they were starring together in the Christmas pageant, uh, which is okay. by the way this utterly bizarre Aldovian story. Let's see if I can get this right because I didn't write it down. There is a <laughs> princess named Froon. And Froon gets captured by an ogre. And so, you know, the, the guy who's her boyfriend is playing the ogre and she's playing Princess Froon. And the ogre has a pet turtle. Oh, okay. And the, tur- <laughs> and the turtle goes and finds a baby in the woods and brings it back to the castle with the ogre. And Froon gives the baby magical powers and it becomes Santa Claus. And then she kisses the ogre and the ogre turns into a prince. (laughs) So Santa is Aldovian. Obviously. Okay. What the? Okay. Santa is like an Aldovian, like, changeling. Orphan. Yeah, changeling. That, yep. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I can make that work. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So this initiative, right, is bleeding money. And so Amber and Emily and her like American friends and Simon, who's now, you know, moving over to the good side, uh, they all work together to investigate and find out that Count Leopold, who is like his Richard's father's trusted advisor, that he actually has been embezzling all of the money. And that's why, and of course, and of course also, uh, rooting out corruption means literally sending this one dude to the dungeon and then everything is fine. They really love their dungeon. Like, for, I think at one point they said either retired or unused, not used anymore or something dungeons like that, Mm -hmm. that they sound pretty used. They're used, and uh, yeah, and there is a and there is a reference. They call it the Leopold Suite when they send uh, Lula yes. down there. Yes, in reference to uh, to that guy. That explains that reference now. Yep. <laughs> Amber regains control of her wedding to some degree, just in time to get married in the most hideous wedding dress that has literally ever been made. It's like a button down, like ugly work blouse, in like a particularly like unattractive white satin and it has like lace stripes across the bottom like it looks like a wee like it looks like a not that attractive work shirt that you turned into a wedding dress oh no they ran out of budget money with rhinestone buttons oh no i'm so gonna have to watch this movie now (laughs) 
And it's like horrid. And I feel like even if they ran out of budget money, I'm like, I feel like there was something you could have bought like on clearance at David's Bridal for 200 bucks that would have been less hideous than this. Yeah. That's, I'm going to have to check this out because the image I have in my head is fascinating and I want to see how it holds up. <laughs> yeah, please let, please <laughs> let me know if my description uh, did it justice. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I've, you know, discovered, uh, discussed the crucial details from the uh, first two <laughs> films, so everybody is, you know, up to date on this important plot, we can now get into... <laughs> A Christmas Prince, uh, Christmas Prince, the royal baby, where obviously she uh, very quickly post-wedding got pregnant. Yes. So based on, so due January 11th, so what is that? Pregnant by March? April? Or like beginning of April? Beginning of April? Somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in the like late March, early April zone. And I definitely wrote down in my note, like in my notes, like do January 11th, like, come on, clearly this baby is going to get born on Christmas. (laughs) I didn't even like, to be fair, though, I didn't process that. But also I kept being like, it's, they kept being like, this has to be signed by midnight on New Christmas Eve. And I kept being like, is it not? Christmas Eve? Are we not doing the traditional signing on the traditional signing day? Right. That for some reason it starts on like December 20th and I think they're supposed to do the signing on like the 23rd and so then they have like some wiggle room <laughs> to yeah. like find the treaty that's been stolen. I'm like this doesn't make any sense. It's a very odd movie. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely pregnant very quickly. I assume in the second movie she gets to post whatever she wants on her blog. Uh, yeah they ultimately right they've uh like have they like like she fights that battle and they're like we promise we won't censor you anymore okay (laughs) i appreciate that she went back to her investigative journal roots in this one as she kept telling us (laughs) it also i will say so the the second one also really annoyed me and that like Richard really comes off as, like, just absolutely spineless. Like, he is literally the king of this country and can't stand up to the person that he's hired over, like, matters of protocol and whether she's allowed to censor his wife. Yeah. (laughs) Has she even been... Is she, like... I don't want to ask too many questions about the previous movies. But he, yeah, he is pretty much a very, like, white boy nobody couldn't tell you anything about him kind of got him and simon confused a few times it's also kind of hilarious because like whenever they go out everybody's like queen amber and like don't even seem to notice that he's there right i'm like yeah that tracks like it's very anti most like you know american woman becomes queen and that like you have to win over the love of the citizens, which I'm guessing is a lot of the second movie, but they Eh. adore her. She's just like an influencer in her own country. (laughs) Like, that's all I could think of was like, oh, okay, so she's got her own TikTok. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're super into her. Everything seems like it's going great. 
she's, you know, going to have the baby. Simon has, who is like the, you know, villain in the first movie, right, and kind of redeemed himself in the second one, now has a, like, kind of at the end of the second one, sort of got together with her friend uh, Melissa and is now, like, inviting Melissa for Christmas, which is a big, big step. Which... And Amber is skeptical. So the last movie took place at Christmas because their wedding anniversary, she says, is at Christmas. Okay. So so they got married on Christmas because obviously they got course, married on Christmas. <laughs> they seem so surprised that she's there. Yeah. And it's been a year. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Okay. Timeline in my head. Cool. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, so she seems like a she seems like weirdly not up to date on like her best friend's like one year relationship. Yeah, very much. They uh, are prepping for this signing of this treaty, which is supposed to be uh, kind of like they have to like every one hundred years they have to re-sign this treaty, uh, which uh, formed the peace between Aldovia and its closest ally and neighbor Penglia which is a uh, country where all of the actors are from Hong Kong. It seems like it's vaguely maybe supposed to sort of be Mongolia, but is like on the border of this country, which uh, I'll talk more about the geography oh, yeah. later, but yeah. this country, which is like vaguely supposed to be like Central Europe. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This goes back to Christmas Eve of 1419, when Prince Claude of Aldovia and Prince June of Penglia signed this treaty and ended this war. And uh, Amber has decided that it's like would be a great idea that the Peng- that the her and the Penglian queen will also sign it, which she's very much like. This is like the like great move toward modernization and like very important. And I'm like a little like on the one hand, like obviously sure like nice for women and all that but on the other hand like you're not the reigning monarch right like you're the consort like i can understand updating some traditions but it felt really unnecessary this like i want to sign it felt like they made it seem much more important than it was because right like they already mentioned like we've updated the aldovian rules of succession so that our child, regardless of gender, like, our first child will be the, like, first in line for the throne, right? Right. And so, like, that makes sense, right? Like, that seems like actually a, like, important step in a country where the monarchy seems weirdly to actually still be important. And that doesn't get (laughs) criticized at all, because at the beginning, the only thing that the um, press wants to ask about is the baby. And they've got this uh, economical plan that they've done for a year that has been, I mean, super fucking great over the past year. Uh, and how much Well, profit. yeah, over the past year. Yeah. But that's the whole plot of the first one is that everybody's mad at them about the, econ- or the second one is that everybody's mad at them about the economic plan. Right. And so now like we solve that. Exactly. And so now the press just does puff pieces about the baby. Exactly. It's like, okay, you have found world peace. Is that what we're trying to establish? But yes. Okay. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I assume it's really just that, they're like, well, we did the critique of the monarchy in the last movie. Yeah, I guess. And so now we're good. <laughs> 
So the the Penguin royals arrive. They uh, they start to make snarky comments about how it's like quite the fashion for royals to marry outside the noble classes now, which of course is also a reference to the Princess oh, yes. Switch films. That's what they were referencing. I was like, what are we talking about here? Okay. Yeah, because there's like two couples, you know, with like one Vanessa Hudgens per couple. Right. That are like a common, like an American commoner and a monarch. Right, right, right. (laughs) Sorry. Although one of the American commoners is a man. Like, there's one royal Vanessa Hudgens, right, who marries an American man. And I assume she has a lot of things to do, too. I'm sure. (laughs) All of these places, like, don't, like, all of these places seem to have, like, missed the bit where the monarch basically becomes a figurehead. Yeah, I I was thinking that, too. (laughs) Like, except for the neighbor Penguea. Like, there's a comment made by King Ty that I was like, yeah, no, that that tracks. He was like, why are we discussing policy? Yeah. That's um, Lynn's purview or something. <laughs> I was like, right. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in these other countries, oh, yeah, yeah, like, Richard Most definitely important. seems to be, like, running the kingdom right. in a meaningful sense. Yes. They arrive, uh, Ming says, uh, Ming and Ty are, it as it turns out, really, really Ming is the one who says no, that, uh, as we learn, but that they, uh, they were Pingli refuses uh, to have the wives sign the treaty, and then they're about to sign the treaty, but <gasps> it's been stolen! <laughs> we see, like, a hooded figure come into the room and take the treaty. <laughs> and, like, this treaty is massive. It's a big, big spiral, beautiful document, art. Yeah. You know, that isn't folded. It's it's spun up and put into like these big spirals into a box and then waxed clothes before taken in. So like. Like really elaborate scroll and they like sew a new page onto it to be signed every century, yeah. basically. Crazy. Yeah. And yeah, this, this, you know, treaty, right, which is a historical artifact, of course, is now missing. And in addition to being a historical artifact, apparently the, the countries officially return to a state of war if the <laughs> treaty is not re-signed. Which, first of all, uh, they mentioned that the countries do not have a stand, like, neither country has a standing army. So, like... It's, like, kind of, like, the stakes are, like, kind of low. And also, I feel like this isn't how war works. In no, the 21st century. No, not at all. I like I did have moments where I was like, no treaty. I is there a treaty that's 600 years old at this point? I I don't know if there is any that old that's still in effect. But like regardless, I feel like we lost a medieval manuscript is not actually an excuse that any actual like modern country is going to use as like an excuse to go to like, unless you really want to go to war. Right. And like, they make it fairly clear that neither of them want to go to war is the, you know, King Tyler says something about how it'll be a war of lawyers. So, right. So like it, this just simply isn't how war works. No. And then to have additional drama and also get Amber invested in this whole situation. Emily reads this, like, weird-ass history book, which I'll be talking about the material culture of later, because this book is hilarious. (laughs) 
learns about an ancient legend that states that a deadly curse will befall the firstborn child of whichever monarchs are responsible for breaking the treaty and is like, that's Amber and Richard's baby. (laughs) The way they talk about this baby, it almost feels as though they've been married for a long time, trying very hard to have an heir and like... Right. Like the Queen Charlotte series. As you know? opposed to as opposed to you got pregnant in twelve minutes. Yes, exactly. Like, congratulations. You didn't even try to be single couple for a while. It like even assu- like it actually even assuming that they were like trying from day one getting pregnant in like three months is pretty fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I'm like, I don't know, like, were they even, like, trying from day one? Or did they, like, start trying in, like, March? Like, <laughs> That is a good question. And I don't know. That is, all of it is very strange. And it's not a vibe of, like, although someone, I think Queen Ming makes a comment about, like, how it's the women's job to continue the line. Um, but it there is no vibe of, like, we need to continue the line, kind of, you know. Especially because, like, they've amended the law of successions. So that means that, like, Emily should be able to, like, take the yeah. throne next if they didn't have kids. Which, like, okay, like, that's fine. Yeah. And also, like, these people are, like, what? Like, they seem like they're not even 30. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> they got time. They got plenty of time. They're going to have so many kids. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And it's okay <laughs> if they lose their first yeah. child. It's okay. Some medieval curse. You can make more. Yeah, yeah, you can always make more. It's also they like tried and kind of failed, in my opinion, to like use like medieval e language. They're like upon the firstborn a beshrew, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure beshrew like was never a noun. <laughs> like it's not a beshrew. It's like it's like I like beshrew thee. Okay, because they said it, and I was like, I, I truly watched this maybe two hours ago. And it was like, I don't have time to rewind this, but this curse is buck wild and right? so incredibly vague. Like, chef yep. kiss, everything about it, wonderful. It's like very vague, but also at the same time, it is like so just like hilariously precise for exactly the situation that they are in in this specific movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like it's not like a general ill befalls the royal family, right? Nope. It's specifically like the firstborn child of the monarch responsible <laughs> that like will be cursed, and it's like, oh, the firstborn child that like the entire movie is about how you like she's pregnant with the firstborn child. Okay, like it would have almost been better if it was like, ah, just kidding. Put this document in this random book. Nice job, you thirteen-year-old, for believing it. Right, <laughs> and then also like Amber, the like adult investigative journalist like the only explanation is hormones i was gonna say clearly (laughs) is like the curse like we can't risk it i yeah like i agree that she should be but yeah no the the hysteria of a pregnant woman's mind i i can only imagine (laughs) so she is like freaking out about this whole situation you know, and like, and like, she and Richard are like having, the, you know, discussing this, and he's like, you know, taking care of her when she's pregnant. At some point, he like, he like says, he like tells her, "Love is blind," which a doesn't feel like it applies to the context, but b yeah. is hilarious because that's a Netflix dating show. I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and one that I think shortly started after this movie came out. 
think like maybe it was like after but not a lot after it was 2020 it i was, was trying to remember because yeah. i thought that at least one season was maybe pre-covid but i might be remembering wrong oh no th- it was definitely filmed pre-covid but it released in 2020 because i okay. put off watching it and now i'm obsessed um yeah yeah it was my it's COVID horrible, show and everyone's kept, the worst everybody's the worst but you're right though like Again, fulfilling his role of just random husband there. He really does not do anything. Like, Amber, who is, like, eight and a half months pregnant. And, like, his sister and his mother and, and, like, all of these people are out, like, doing all of this work. And I'm like, what is the king doing? Putting together a crib poorly. I... (laughs) cannot stress how much i was like run away this man can't put together a crib can't even order staff to come and put together the crib that was the thing i was like why are two kings putting together this crib yeah it also just like it feels such like a like dude weaponized incompetence thing yes very much so but again what else do you do with them yeah, but I'm like, this is going to be the guy who's like, I don't know, the instructions for putting on diapers are really complicated. You're oh. going to have to do it. See, I would not be surprised if they made a fourth one and he was almost a stay-at-home king and she was yeah. r- the ruling monarch. I could also kind of see that, really, just in terms of, like, the fact that they have, like, an utter disinterest in him. And so I and I feel like... You know, in terms of, like, the action of the plot, it has to be about, like, the monarchy and not, like, about taking care of their three-year-old or whatever. Yes. Yes. And so, like, for those plot reasons, I could see that happening. But I think that really just speaks to the, like, malleability of this character born out of the fact that he, like, fundamentally has no personality and they kind of don't care about him. Like, we haven't even gotten to it really in the plot yet, but there are so many places he could have been sent or things he could have done that emily did that i was just yeah here for the disability representation also sitting there being like that is your princess who is walking on crutches why did you send her to a dungeon right like (laughs) agreed right great for the disability representation but on the other hand like you send somebody who like does not have like 100% mobility and an elderly woman to investigate your dungeon I I was like that is what you have staff for I'm sorry (laughs) but I guess you can't trust the staff because any of them could be the culprit I guess at that point yeah but also like I don't know then like how the kings do it He's not really accomplishing anything in the, like, birthing exactly. chamber anyway. No, he comes in. Oh. Oh, I guess he's fetching the... He's, like, fetching... That's when he's fetching the um, the OBGYN on a horse. That's, that's what right, it that's was. What he's doing. <laughs> that's what he was. Uh, but when they find this curse, the funniest line to me, and I thought about this up until they finally clarified it, was that the queen goes... Sorcery fell out of favor de- uh, centuries ago. Like, what right. does that mean? Does that mean right? that I'm we like, chose? What is this? What is this like? Im- like the implication, yes. right? Is that like almost a that sorcery is like maybe real, yes. but b that like everybody is like 
in, like in the 15th century, which is like when we actually start getting witch persecution in a meaningful way, right? Like that's not like <laughs> earlier in the Middle Ages. It's absolutely like the 15th century onward is when like that really starts happening. And during precisely that period, they're like, we're going to hire a nice sorceress to do a curse for our treaty. Yeah, I just like. Like what? And then eventually we were all like, you know, maybe magic's not the way to handle this. To the point we just no longer have it. Like, it just fell out of fashion. What? We also have, like, this, like, incredibly elaborate, like, story that gets added to this. So there's there's the curse. In addition to this curse, there is, like, this, like, royal scandal and, like, a love triangle. Or, like, what I call a love angle, because I think it's not really a triangle unless, Agreed. like, the, like, two men are also involved. Prince June of Penglia was, uh, like, also, like, in love with Jocelyn, who was Claude of Aldovia's wife. And then Claude was poisoned, and people blamed June. And Claude's house, the House of Devon, like, fell out of power, and another royal house took over. And uh, then, like, his descendants swore vengeance. So, like, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I don't understand how... Okay. Cool, you guys came together on Christmas Eve, which, like, in 1419, okay, whatever, um, shook hands. With all of the Asian Christians in 1419. I know, right? Like, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. She said the silk trade routes, and I was like, god damn. Uh But I was still like, really? Really? And then, so I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, cool tradition every hundred years. Nope. Dude's, di- dude's wife died almost immediately after this happened. That breaks the treaty. This, How did this right. treaty survive 600 years? Oh, the house right? just fell out of fashion. What? What? <laughs> it's so weird. So, yeah. So, this is, like, bizarre. And they're also like, oh, and the treaty was stolen 200 years ago. But they caught him. And it's like... It- anything okay. about him nothing we didn't hear a yeah nothing who we know literally nothing yep not even entirely sure it's a man yeah yeah i don't think it says the other thing that we also like learn is that like amber has this like quack fucking doctor who keeps telling her she can have a pain-free childbirth and it's like contractions you should think of as surges which each bring a wave of relaxation pleasure and love I'm like fuck off the fact that that never came back to her getting punched or fired is right the ultimate crime of this movie Right? I mean, I really desperately, all I wanted was for Amber in, like, the midst of an extremely painful contraction to just, like, slap her across the face. I I truly love the meditation moments and the, you know, imagine this moment of love and relaxation and the king is like, ah, yes. And I just, it's like, what? (laughs) Just, what is going on? The other thing that's going on at this stage is that... So the Penglian's attache, Lynn, went to Oxford with Simon. And they have, like, they're, like, sort of, like, bonding and, like, reminiscing about their Oxford days. And Melissa is jealous. And I am 100% on Melissa's oh, side here. Because, first sure. of all, they are, like, hardcore third-wheeling her in a way that is, like, absolutely, like, bare minimum makes Simon a shitty partner. For sure. And, like, the amount of room between the two of them like it felt flirtatious 
all of it. Yeah, and, like, he keeps touching her. And, like, there's this bit where they, like, walk all the way across a room, and he's got his hand on the small of her back. I would be so uncomfortable if anybody who I was not dating touched me. Yes. Like, like that for longer than, like, two seconds. Like, Melissa, I I really am curious how long they've been dating, truly, because... I, I just have so many questions. I mean, approximately a year. Assuming that they did start dating in the second movie and continued, but it, I... Yeah, like at most a year, right? Because there are these like flirtatious, there's like a flirtation with the two of them, like at the end, uh, like toward the end of the second movie, right? Okay. So, so the implication, I think, is that like they got together like basically then and have like been together, but I guess mostly long distance for the last year. It feels because she's like we talk on the phone for hours every night. So new, like yeah, awkwardly new. And but it it would have been mostly long distance. Even that, maybe. I don't know. Even still, the the way that it reads, and like, she's jealous, and she has every reason to be. The the way that they are around each other, I'm not going to say it's inappropriate, but it's, read the room. That's all. Just read the damn room. I would definitely take that as a red flag. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If I were Melissa. Like, it's, it strikes me as weird. Like, I mean, and does she handle it especially well? Like, not necessarily. Like, you have a conversation. But Simon's not doing a great job as a partner, in my opinion. No, not at all. I am curious how he acts with all of his uh, female friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I don't I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell, like, because the only other women we see him interacting with are women who, like, low-key hate him. Yes. The entire family, just every time he breathes, Emily is just like, you're yelling at him for breathing too loud. So. Yeah. So, you know, so who knows? But, but yeah, but it definitely like it, it strikes me as odd. Like, as I said, they're like, he's definitely at least like he's third wheeling his girlfriend and like, he's really touchy with her, with, uh, with Lynn in a way that I find weird. Yeah. So, I mean, some people are touchier than others, and, like, I'm not a super touchy person with, like, people I'm not dating, so, like, I don't know, but, like, I, I, I would find it weird. No, agreed. It's a, it's all red flags. It's, and yeah, given how this ends, I have so many questions. Same. So, while they're, uh, they, uh, they bring in a, uh, a Melanois to, uh, a, a, a sniffer dog to sniff out the tree, <laughs> which, like, okay, don't police dogs to like sniff out something don't they need like a sample of the thing first that's what i was wondering too or like that's how they train them like i they train to sniff out drugs by like keeping tennis balls in the drugs so that then they can hide it throw it or whatever and then they can you know sniff it out parchment right ink (laughs) like do they yeah, like, did they, like, give the dog a bunch of medieval manuscripts? <laughs> Just sits in a library all day. Go go find something that smells like the library. I mean, I guess. Like, what else are you going to bring in? But I wasn't surprised when the dog didn't find anything. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, wow. Like, the dog can't sniff out manuscripts? How weird. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> 
while that's happening, they go to the Christmas market. This is where, like, hilariously, everybody's like, Queen Amber, Queen Amber, and, like, does not. <laughs> There's, like, one person who seems like she, like, pity is like, hi, King Richard. <laughs> yes. The mom. <laughs> <sighs> she's like oh i don't want you to feel left out honey <laughs> like he is the king of this country this is also the point that i because I, up to this point i was like i cannot tell if we are supposed to like the other country's leadership or not it's like i can't yeah the who turns out to be the person who took it, it it's very obvious like none of this is super surprising but at the same time like they go out of their way to make everybody just slightly suspicious, but like it more just reads weird for everyone. I'm just like, I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> are you an asshole or yeah. are you just awkward? Ming and Ty are both just very like, they're like very like stiff. Yes. Right. And like kind of cold, but that just seems to be their like royal vibe. Yeah. And then like, yeah, they're together at one point and then they're so sweet. And it was like, okay. Yeah. You aren't necessarily hating the other royals. You just wanted to get in and get out. Cool. It just wasn't expressed very And like, well. see your kids also. Yeah. <laughs> like they have like, they have like three kids that they like left home yeah. while they went to sign this dumb treaty. Why did they like... Knowing that the weather was bad and all this, I, I guess that's why you don't bring the kids, but also, like, this happening so close to Christmas, why are you without your kids? Yeah, it seems like they should have just brought the kids. Like, yeah. it. Very Especially because, like, a blizzard like that does not totally come out of nowhere. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't know. Like... The day they flew, like, because they basically flew in, like, the day before it happened. And so, like, I feel like they would have known that, like, a major storm was coming. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's bizarre. Especially given where they're, quote, unquote, located in the um, world, which is somewhere in the middle of Euro- Eurasia. You right. know, that's not coming off the sea. It's, you know, it's coming right. over the land. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, everybody's just like a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very himbo vibes for the kings. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've also got like the red herring in terms of the, uh, you know, in terms of like blaming Simon and Lynn, right? right? That, uh, you know, Melissa finds them like looking over something that's like an assessment of like Aldovia's debt to Penglia. $4 billion paid off in one year. The amount of the new Aldovia initiative profits, was so successful. The amount of profit to pay off enough of your own debt that you can comfortably pay off four fifths of a debt. Yeah, eighty yeah. percent of this debt. Especially because, like, they basically, like, the reason there was a strike is because, like, all of the public works projects, it sounds like, hadn't been like paying their laborers for months. Oh, they better. Oh. <sighs> I just the five billion, one billion. I was, and, and that's the amount of debt we've paid. I was like, you asshole. That's not how this works, <laughs> right? Like the the speed of their like economic like recovery is like ridiculous. <laughs> we need to understand what your plan is, because <laughs> clearly, yeah, no, it is. You're taking from other countries, right? Like, or I don't know, like has like like. 
I don't know, like, did you just, like, steal it all back from that one guy's, like, offshore bank account? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what they did. (laughs) But I don't think that was even that much money. I think it was, like, $2 billion. But if, you know, you turn around and use that to pay back people, I don't don't know. But I just was like, you guys just threw numbers at the wall, hoping we would not pay attention. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious. So Amber goes into labor. So they, like, call for her OBGYN to come to the palace. But then, of course, the doctor, like, swerves to not hit an owl, which is just, like, really? (laughs) Of all things. (laughs) And then, like, goes into a snowbank. And then Richard goes and fetches her on a horse. Everything Like, you don't have anything at the palace with four-wheel drive? I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, he's going to go get her. And it didn't. I didn't process that he was on a horse until he got to the car and I was like, oh, I hope she's okay. He's on a fucking horse. Why is he on a horse? Like, truly, if you're in a country where that much snow is happening, they have to have equipment. Especially if they're going to have that winding of a road without any streetlights. Yeah. That is what leads to the palace. Right. Which also seems to be, effectively, at the center of governance. I mean, like, I thought the fact that the D.C., that, like, Washington, D.C. couldn't, like, keep the metro going during a snowstorm was bad. But, like, this is worse. I just, yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. There also is no subway, by the way, in Aldovia. This is remarked upon. Yes. Yes. Doesn't want the kid going to boarding school or on a subway. Right. That's the compromise, is that the kid isn't going to go to boarding school like, Richard went to boarding school, but also will not ride the subway or by, her, by herself like Amber went to rode the subway by herself. You know, that's a fair compromise. I, too, would pick somewhere that um, has infinite rooms I could try out in snow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Queen Ming, meanwhile. So, like, Ming's, like, redemption of, like, you know, is clearly just, like, well, we're going to show that she's, like, not actually mean by showing that she's, like, a really good mom. And, like, she cares about her kids and, like, volunteered in a maternity ward. And so she knows how to, like, help Amber during labor. She also, like, she knitted a hat, too, that she gifts to Amber at the baby shower for the baby, which she apparently knitted in, like, the last, like, six hours. And, like, I don't know. I can't, I don't know how to knit. But I'm, like, that, like, that, like, seems fast to me. It's doable, but you'd have to sit down and do nothing else for six hours. And also assume that there's yarn somewhere in knitting needles in the palace. Yeah. So. Did we ever find out, like, so she, like, asks for, like, a, like, a paint roller with a good handle? Did we ever actually, like, to help Amber during labor? Did we ever actually find out what that's for? I assumed it was to roll against her back, but I did not actually see what it was for. (laughs) I don't think I did either. So, yeah, so while she's in labor, uh, she sends her uh, disabled sister-in-law and elderly mother-in-law to go search the dungeons for the treaty. Her... I don't know what you call a queen that's stepped down, but like, yeah. Dowager queen, I believe. What on earth (laughs) that was going on? I was like, this is too much. This is, I mean, at the very least, the other king was there. Like, have him do it. Yeah, what the hell is he doing? Like, he at least go with them. (laughs) 
They're searching. Uh, they end up getting trapped in a cell, but they do find the treaty is conveniently in precisely that cell, like hidden <laughs> in a box. And then also, hilariously, Helena apparently knows how to pick a lock with a hairpin okay. and gets them out. What? Why does the Queen of Aldovia know how to pick a lock with a hairpin? The way it's set up, I assume this would have been a plot point in one of the other two movies. Where, no! Like, the way it was, because <laughs> I expected one of two things to happen, which was what actually happened and then finding out it had been a plot point. Or that she do it and then start doing it and go, I don't actually know what I'm doing here or something. That's what I assumed. Because, <laughs> like, she does not have that. Like, that has not been a plot point and she does not have that vibe. No, not at all. And she's not. The the line doesn't pass through her. It passed through the king. Because, again, the, the, the yeah. daughter of Richard and Amber is the first to possibly for it to possibly go through. So it's not like she grew up there right. doing this. What the hell was her past that i'm so curious yeah baffling and yeah completely comes out of nowhere is never explained also where's the guard they don't have any guards no royal guards right that's also a great question right even if like they were like well we don't trust the staff to do this they could at least like why didn't they say like okay we're gonna go down with like four guards like or hey we're going down if we're not back in like x amount of minutes will you come down and check on us all of it and presumably somebody would have done that eventually eventually sure like (laughs) but like they're not gonna starve down there no i'm not worried about that but it was just (laughs) such a pressing matter i don't know so the whims of a pregnant woman i'm so glad that you guys followed them nice job ridiculous They reveal the whole situation because Amber has figured it out because Amber also has this hilarious, she also has this hilarious little book and her hilarious little book is like just all of the coats of arms of like all of the families of Aldovia and is like a very like faux old book. And uh, she's like, your mother's maiden name was Devin. Isn't that right? Mr. Little, who, by the way, is a character who, like, you kind of at some point figure it has to be him because he's like the only remaining character in the movie. But like, we have not mentioned him because he is otherwise, like, completely unimportant to the plot. Pretty much, yeah. I don't even know <laughs> what his actual role in the palace is. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. He's the one who leads the dog around. Some kind of butler, I guess. <laughs> but he's also I guess? been living in the palace since he was a child. Cause he's... Yeah, so he's, like, some sort of palace staff. Yeah. Because he's been there, he's the one that tells Emily about the ghost and uh, the one who tried to take it 200 years ago. Which, like, let's be real, Emily's the real villain here. Emily is the one who caused her sister-in-law to go into premature labor. Right? Emily is causing drama. She, (laughs) I would also, like, medieval curse be like, hell yeah. But it would be something that I'm like, I am going to internalize this anxiety and stress for my sister-in-law. Yeah, I'm going to tell, I'm like, look, I might, I might tell my mom, I might tell some of these other people, I'm definitely not going to tell the, like, parents of this no, unborn baby. No, not at all. Ridiculous. Especially the, like, my, like, hormonal pregnant sister-in-law. I am definitely not telling her, of all people. This incredibly vague curse. Maybe we'll curse. Right. Beshrew. <laughs> 
And Mr. <sighs> Little is also like, I'm so sorry. I was bound by a solemn blood oath to avenge like my family because he's like a descendant of Claude or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, one of those solemn blood oaths that like everybody just like you know. chill takes in like the 21st century. It, you know that it's got to be another one of those like medieval things that happen that just passes down for 600 years like the rest of this. Because yeah. like, do they prove that nobody murdered the wife or something? Yeah. Or, or no, it wasn't the wife who was murdered. It was the husband who was poisoned. It was the king who was actually the one who was poisoned. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, Claude. Yeah. Yeah, so he's the one who was poisoned, and then Ming is like, our historians believe that the culprit, with the real culprit, was a covetous feudal lord, <laughs> which is like, you obviously need to have, like, something in there. But A, it's like, okay, so the historians of the kingdom whose king is accused doing this murder, they don't think he's guilty. Like, I don't think that's evidence. Yeah, no, that just sounds exactly like something that they would say, exactly, like, I mean, I mean, regardless, like, the blood oath in this whole situation, oh like, 600 years later is, like, ridiculous. But also, like, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he did kill him. I mean... Like, you don't have proof. At this point, I have to assume, given that this is a world that brought a medieval knight to the 21st century, that this curse is real. And by so, so is the blood oath. And now I'm very curious... Presumably. If he had decided not to do anything about it what would have happened what would have been yeah the... like do you do you die yeah like i don't know mm. and yeah i i agree right we have this world where like a sorceress sends a you know medieval knight to like <laughs> hang out with vanessa hudgens and like in this very year i believe i think that is also 2019 so oh. like based on that like yeah i don't know maybe the baby would be cursed if they hadn't signed the treaty i yeah, I believed it. I was like, man, this is a vague curse, but I am so curious what the curse would be. Is it a curse with a yeah. tail? Is it a curse with, you know, all, always walking in circles? Can't read? Curse to die? Like maybe it's ooh, maybe its head is born with is born backwards. Oh. There's a there's a medieval story about that. See, that's a wonderful terrifying curse. So, I guess are were, how common were curses back in 1419 era. I mean, like, certainly there there are, like, claims of curses, certainly, right? There are, like, claims that, like, people, like, we're, we're kind of at the start, right? We're sort of moving sure. into, like, you know, like, anxiety about witchcraft. And so there are certainly, like, claims of people being cursed, a lot of which, in, which involve penises. Like, there's, like, a lengthy discussion about, like, men saying that witches curse their penises. Of course. In the Malleus Maleficarum. But were curses part of treaty building? I mean... I mean, so they're they're kind of connected to oaths. Oh, okay. And so, like, you might swear an oath, which is something like, may all of these awful things happen to me if I break my oath. Got it. So that... To give this movie a lot of credit, that's presumably what they're referencing. I guess... Oath is not as terrifying as curse. I mean, and it's also like, it's not like you like hire a sorceress <laughs> to write a curse into your treaty. It's not like you swear an oath on relics, right? And like, may God like curse me if I break my oath. According to Queen Helena, you, you hired a sorceress. 
a sorceress. Like, explaining, I need you to sit down so I can explain to you about this vague curse that was placed. Oh, my God. I also love that she just, like, keeps saying over and over again, but it's almost midnight, which I think she says, like, six times. And then, like, also when they finally get the treaty back uh, and uh, Queen Ming agrees that, like, the queens can sign the treaty. And she's like, there's always time to make make history. And she's like, but not too much time because it's almost midnight. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, like, because my brain is my brain. I was trying very hard to give this movie any credit that it could and was like, "Mm, is this, you know, trying to talk about Western versus Eastern culture, you know, and the wanting credit and discussion and, you know, the Queens. And and then I, I'm glad I watched this movie in 2023 because all the talk about helping moms definitely helped, like hit a lot harder than it would have in 2019. Mm-hmm. But I, this movie, I was like, there's no message. But I was trying so hard to find some kind of message. It's like, I'm gonna find it. I, yeah. So Amber has her baby. Also, amazingly, right? Amber has this baby. And you know what? Maybe she did have basically a pain-free childbirth because she comes out like she has not broken a sweat. She's got a full face of makeup. There is no mess. And also that baby's like at least three months old. I know. It's like that is a massive baby. I am so curious. Any moms out there, if you've called your contraction surges. Surges with waves of pleasure and love. Also, I guess, like, if you can't give birth and solve a mystery at the same time, what are you doing with your life? What are you even doing? (laughs) (laughs) While also being the queen of a small country, of a actually decently sized country, if you look at the map. Yeah, decently sized, (laughs) for sure. So also she names the kid, so it's a girl, right? Mm. And so, you know, we're going to have a queen. She names the kid Ellery, who is apparently after her mother. And this is E-L-L-E-R-I. There's no way. I'm sorry. Are there American women in, like, the 1950s being named Ellery? I was like, oh, that is the most millennial. And after your mom, I was like, there's no way. It looks like one of those names that are, like, you know that, like, meme, which is, like, the board with the different, like, silly baby names? Mm-hmm. And, like, they, and, like the original one was, like, everything was, like, kind of, I don't know, like, five different versions of Brayden or yes. something like that. Yes. And then they just, like, did, like, the meme that are, like, even more ridiculous. Ellery seems like it would be on that. I did not take a... No, it was spelled that way because it's Ellery Claire. Because I was curious uh, what the middle name would be. Which is, again, not a very... Queen Ellery Claire, I guess. Queen right. Emily. It I does mean. not. Ellery. I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't. Is Ellery even a name? Has anybody ever been named Ellery? It's, I've never heard of the name Ellery before. It's one of those. I've heard the name. It, it feels very gen, like a millennial. I'm gonna name my kid Ellery. It's like a nickname for Eleanor. Yeah, Eleanor, I would have been fine with. Yeah. Eleanor is a name. Or even if they were like, your mom is named Eleanor or Ellen, and so we're naming her Ellery in honor yeah. of her. So if she had gone like, Ellery, like, that's fine. she goes, Ellery? And you go, Ellery, it's short for Eleanor. Like your mom. It's, yeah, that would have yeah. made more sense. Yeah, that I would have been fine with. But the fact that they're implying that her mother's name was actually Ellery. Ending like, with not. an I. Yeah, like, that makes it so much worse, the I. 
I also love that they've like when they like go and announce the baby and all of that. They have this sign. The sign is like Queen Amber has given birth to Princess Ellery. Nowhere on the sign is the existence of Richard, who is the king of this country, <laughs> the father of this child, and the source of this child's like princesshood and claim to the throne. He is simply not mentioned. He just does not matter. Why is he there? Nobody gives a shit about this. Man. I would not be surprised if movie four is about mother and daughter on father has passed away. And that's why she's running right. The Just kill him off already. I mean, might as well. He that crib might was as well. a hazard. So, yeah, know. he tried to build a crib and it killed him. He <laughs> and thing. the other king, our himbo kings, tried so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And like, okay, Richard is bad enough, but I'm also like Ty, who is definitely absolutely himbo king. But I'm like, don't you have like four children? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like, does this kingdom or whatever you call the household only have like three staff members? Yeah, I mean, trying to meet this movie well over halfway. I'm like, did like a bunch of people like go home early because of the blizzard? Maybe. Like, that's, like, that's the best I can do. Is that, like, a bunch of people, they said, like, hey, you can go home, like, you can go home because we're going to have a blizzard. And so there's, like, a downsized staff. But honestly, it doesn't seem like there's that extensive of a staff in the previous two movies Yeah, and with their having her um, baby shower right before Christmas as well, she's asking a lot from people between the signing and the wedding I'm sorry the signing and the baby shower right before Christmas also do you normally have baby showers like like when do you normally have baby showers I feel like people have baby showers like earlier than that I have only been to maybe two baby showers yeah I've been to a few and I don't know I feel like it's I don't know I feel like it's like they're like the they're like pregnant enough that you can like definitely tell they're pregnant Usually, but like, I feel like they're not so close that you're like, you know, you could just pop that baby right out of this shower right now. You know, you say that, but I, I do remember in Gilmore Girls that um, Suki had one of hers before the baby shower, but they also yeah. forgot the baby shower. So maybe that's why. I don't know. I know next right. to nothing about baby shower etiquette. and I don't yeah. really know that much either. Yeah. It just, it seems oddly no, like I, that I the agree. plan, but like, of course... Yeah. But on the other hand, like, you're in this country where everything has to happen on Christmas. So I guess it also makes sense. It's a formal, mixed-gendered baby shower. It is a wild event. Like... Yeah. The blizzard technically cancels it, or, you know, assuming there's going to be a ton more people. Also, like, what do you get someone who literally runs a country that made a $4 billion profit that they could pay off? Right? Like, they don't need no. anything. Like, what? The idea that, like, their subjects are supposed to give them gifts yes. for their baby? I just... Maybe, like, I feel like this is the kind of baby shower where the only point of it is that they're, like, inviting the fairies <laughs> to, like, give it, to, like, give, like, mystical abilities no, yeah. to the children, that is to the ex- child. It, it should be either the queen inviting other queens... Or, yeah, you're right. It's the three fairies coming to give their wishes and or their, yeah, yeah, blessings. That's the word I'm looking for. 
I also love so like Sahil and Andrew right do the uh, do the baby shower and I like that the the theme seems to be like everybody is dressed in black yes. and white with Amber wearing one of her trademark like hideously ugly dresses and everybody is in black and white with the exception of uh, this is Avril who like is like wearing like hot pink for some reason not even black and white like tuxedos yeah yeah it is like and it's also like the men are in tuxedos and. Amber is wearing something that looks like she would wear it to the office. Yes. Yes. It, it's a choice. All of it is definitely But given that her wedding dress, if it was a little shorter, also looked like something that you could wear to the office. She does really love her job. She, you know, puts investigative journalism before her baby's health. So. Mm-hmm. She is in the office at all times. She is. <laughs> wild i i also kind of find it rude that like you knew the signing was coming up and you didn't already invite them to your baby shower like right i mean i guess like they were supposed to have left by then sure but still polite yeah like extend an invitation and then they can say no right it seems weird right like expect the no but still get the invite that's why, like, it it was their reaction to the baby shower where I was finally like, okay, they're not supposed to be terrible people in any capacity. Yeah. Because. Yeah. The, the, she spent all fucking morning knitting that hat. Yeah. Like, it. But the reactions before that were as if yeah. the writer wasn't sure who they wanted to be the villain yet. Yeah, or like, like to give them a lot of credit, like they're really trying to make you as the viewer suspect everybody. Yeah, that's fair. But I might be giving them too much credit. <laughs> like, I mean, I definitely expected Simon, but also was like, I guess he's too much of a red herring. But the moment that like, he was like, come see what I've gotten here. I was like, oh, it's a it's a wedding ring. It's definitely a wedding ring for this person that you've clearly been dating for, like, four days. Oh, yes. Yeah. We also, yeah, should discuss that, that they get engaged. I mean, you know, it also tracks in this world that, like, because, like, in the first movie, right, she has known Richard for... They have, like, known each other and been, like, in one another's presence for one week, almost the entirety of which he has, like, thought she was somebody else and has been calling her by the wrong name, right? Because she's, like, posing as this, like, as this, as, like, the tutor, Right. right? And then, like, she goes home for a week and then he shows up and proposes. It's wild. Like, you should not be getting engaged. No. And if you like, they've known each other for a year when they get married. If you thought that your boyfriend was nefarious enough to try to get your bestie and her husband to pay back an additional one billion dollars, maybe don't get engaged. Maybe don't. Maybe don't. Yeah, I feel like. You, I feel like if you, like, clearly there are trust issues there. And I'm not saying they're not valid trust issues. Yeah. But there are clearly trust issues. So, like, maybe an engagement is, like, not the answer at this point. No, I feel like she should be like, that's beautiful. But I think we need therapy first. Yeah. (laughs) And also, like, they've, as I said, they've at most been dating for one year, which has almost entirely been long distance. Right. I mean... 
If that's like, yeah, move in together first. That's so much. But also, he got yeah. a duke, dukeum, dukedom. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's Get like, that yes. ring. I I guess because those I seem mean, to matter also, like, in twenty twenty one. 2023? I mean, also, like, his plot line is that, like, he, in the first movie, marries Richard's ex-girlfriend who just wants to be married to, like, whoever the king is gonna be, basically. And then as soon as Simon doesn't get to be king, she's like, I'm getting a, she's like, we're getting a divorce. And then in the second, when he comes back, it's like, she took all of my money. Oh my god. Poor guy, because like they really. I I was curious. I when I decided not to watch all three and then saw how much they just dunked on him. I was like, he must have done something bad in the previous movie. I was expecting that like he had hit on Amber or something, and because two years after they like they clearly let him back into his life. He's clearly there enough, and then they're still treating him as a pariah almost until the end especially because like he's pretty crucial in the second movie to finding out like to exposing leopold so yeah it's why are we treating him so terribly yeah like it seems like he like kind of like like it seems like he had his redemption yeah. already I'm also very curious, this game that they play, is this something that they would have played back in medieval times? This Christmas tree building game. I mean, well, I mean, it's not some, like, I mean, so Christmas trees weren't really a thing in the Middle Ages. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, who knows? Like, Aldovia, Aldovia, the kingdom where Christmas is its entire personality, like, who knows? had to laugh because at first I was like oh this is kind of a cute game the cards how you win points in this and get things that you can put on the tree is by answering questions about protocol in Aldovia yeah and then King Tai who again is king of Penglea goes oh I loved this game as a kid really really you you love the game Christmas tree Aldovian <laughs> trivia game. Really? I also like that the uh, the question that I think we only hear like one actual question and they clearly couldn't be bothered to come up with any new facts about Aldovia. And so their question is about the like weird princess Froon story from the previous that was like that they got into in the previous movie. Oh yeah, where he's like, I know the answer is turtle because I saw your pageant. Okay. <laughs> that was this movie thrives on its vagueness I want a book of all of our treaties and all of our curses and things like that like that book was pretty kick ass and the fact that at first I was like oh cool you found a book from you know back in that time that's great no that's modern English. That's modern. <laughs> yeah, it's modern English, but it's written in. So, uh, so let's, we're, we're sort of transitioning right into the uh, the favorite falso. What it got right and wrong. It's this uh, this book that is like presented as being a like 
actual book, like, as, like, some, like, medieval actual, like, chronicle manuscript codex, right? But then, like, it's, yeah, clearly written in, like, modern English, but in, like, basically this font that looks like the, like, gothic font that Microsoft Word produces. Yeah, like... I thought it was like a recounting of something back then, and it is, but it's almost a recounting of a recounting. I don't know how else to like. It is bizarre. It is a bizarre yeah. physical object because, like, it kind of half seems like it's trying to pretend it's a medieval manuscript, but then it also includes like history going up to like yeah. the 19th century. Like, having. <clears throat> At first, I thought it was just like a document that retold what this treaty said, but then it had all the additional information. I don't that it was a. It's bizarre, and the pictures. It's got pictures too. It's, it's a delight. Yeah, and the pictures are sort of like half-hearted efforts in the like vicinity of medieval illuminations. I also just, like, find it hilarious for this franchise in general. In the previous movie, Richard, when he's giving a speech about the new Aldovia initiative, is standing in front of this building, and he's like, this is a symbol of Aldovia's past. And I'm like, that is a neoclassical building that at the latest is, like, (laughs) that the earliest is from, like, the, like, late 18th century. I love it. So, like, okay, like, past, but, like, not that distant past. For clearly a country that has been around much longer than that. And they say also in that movie, and I'll, I'll discuss this in a moment, but uh, they, they say that it has a history of over 700 years. Interesting. Which is also like an addition I like is like a weird amount of time. It's like long, but also oddly short. It's like every other European country would probably say they have a history of well over that. Yeah. Either you have a history much longer than that, but most of those countries have inter different territories or like, you know, different boundary lines and stuff. Yeah. And it almost feels as if Aldobia is like 700 years as this country and not changed one bit kind of vibe. Yes. Yeah. It's very weird. So I also wanted to talk about uh, the question of where are these countries, which is brought to you by my spending <laughs> literally one hour <laughs> Uh, attempting to parse the map that appears in the film. Please tell me what you so, figured out. And like, and like attempt to apply it, which you can do once you find the seas. Okay. You can actually connect it, right? Because we, we see the, uh, the Adriatic Sea and the, um, and the Black Sea. And so we're, we're able to like sort of parse like what's happening here geographically. So Aldovia basically has uh, similar borders to, well, it kind of combines like former Yugoslavia and some of Bulgaria and a bit of Romania and might even go west far enough to pull in some of like Austria and Hungary. Wow. So Aldovia is referred to as occasionally as a small country, but when you actually look at the map and oh. compare it to a map of Europe, it is like massive. Yeah, no, it makes sense that it combines that many countries, but also, especially given everybody has a slightly British accent, yes, just makes it extra icky in the imperialism. Yeah, uh, and it borders the Adriatic Sea and the Black Sea. Belgravia, I also, uh, so Belgravia is the, uh, the country that is, uh, that sort of uh, is shown yes. in the map is shown as bordering. And, uh, that's one of the countries in the princess switch. 
And uh, Belgravia is like Moldova plus some of Ukraine and maybe extending north into like Belarus. Okay. <laughs> also borders the Black Sea. Panglia also borders the Black Sea and is basically uh, Georgia and a chunk of southern Russia. Huh. Not <laughs> super Asian countries. No, it seems like when I first watched the movie and did, wasn't paying attention to the map, I sort of assumed that they were going from Mongolia. Although all the actors are from Hong Kong, yeah. but like because of the Silk Road stuff that I'll talk about in a moment, I'm like, maybe there's maybe it's supposed to be to be Mongolia. But Mongolia is like 3,000 miles east okay. of where Panglia is on the map, so which I which I looked up. Um, <laughs> alternatively, and my other explanation for this is that basically they have posited that like the Mongol Empire maintained a consistent foothold in like Georgia and southern Russia um, in like this weird alternative universe. That makes sense. Where these countries all exist. So I'll I'll have more on this below and these set of fun facts that I've developed for my uh, <laughs> fictional medieval history of Aldovia. I'm so excited. <laughs> There's also another country in the Princess Switch called Montanaro yes. that I found on another map that I found online. And that seems to like maybe kind of be Greece. Okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so relatedly also, if we are talking about Panglia, which is despite the location, like clearly sort of supposed to be Asian and there are no Christian countries in Central or East Asia in 1419. I was wondering about that because I feel like, um, long story short, I, I was hearing about Christianity having roots in Asia much earlier than we traditionally believe. But so there are Christians sure. in East Asia, but there aren't, like, Christian-ruled countries. Okay, that makes sense, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I always find the, like, oh, the battle stopped for Christmas Eve, like a very fairy tale, urban legend. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. And also then, like, posits, right, that they must both be Christian exactly. and care about Christmas Eve. Exactly. <laughs> which, like, does not make sense for, like, as I said, like, if we assume, like, that this is basically some part of, like, the faux, like, Mongol empire, right? Like, the Mongols, like, start out as polytheistic and then, like, some, like, different Mongol Khanates adopt, like, Islam and, like, in, like, further in, like, in East Asia, like, in, like, the Yuan Dynasty in China becomes, like, basically, like, Buddhist mostly. Okay. But, like, none of them are Christian. No. So, like, as I said, like, there are individual, like, Christians and Christian communities in Central sure. and East Asia, but, like, they're not, like, yeah, there are not, like, countries that are, like, under Christian rule. Right. <laughs> I also wanted to say a word on the Silk Road trading routes. So I will give them this to some extent <laughs> that I assume what they're doing. And as again, I am giving them so much credit here. Historians sometimes refer to uh, the, uh, the grassland silk road routes, which essentially are like not quite equivalent to what we traditionally think of as the silk road. It's quite a bit further north, but is this kind of new set of trade routes uh, essentially centered around the Mongol empire uh, that basically because there's this really wide swath of territory, that's all under Mongol control. And even when it kind of like splits up into kind of different individual khanates, they're all 
kind of identify as a coherent enough entity. Okay. That, like, you can kind of go through them without, like, having, like, borders in the way that you might otherwise. Okay. Arguably, you could say that, like, Pengli-Aldovia is sort of, like, the western edge of the, like, grassland-silk road route specifically. So, like, it could maybe make sense to have countries in those locations, like, vying for control of, like some of the, like, Western outposts or, like, the, like, locations that are kind of connecting uh, the grassland silk road routes, like, to then, like, the Mediterranean trade routes, basically. Okay. That feels, like, reaching and, like, again, giving Oh, it's definitely reaching. Okay. But I'm glad you were able to at least kind of give them credit for it. (laughs) I can give them a little bit of credit. (laughs) Historia et Veritas. <laughs> this movie is uh, relatively late on actual historical content. So for the Historia et Veritas, I have invented a bunch of fun facts explaining the uh, fictional medieval kingdom of Aldovia and trying to make it all make any sense. I'm so excited about this. Aldovia has a history of over 700 years. So I'm saying, all right, approximately foundation in 1300. So here is my theory that I've come up with for both uh, how Aldovia came into being sometime close to the year 1300 and also why they all speak English. Okay. Perfectly as their clear, like, primary first language. British English. (laughs) So the Kingdom of Poland, which is not quite where we are, but in the same general geographical area, actually maintained the principle of the election of kings. Uh, They typically did choose to elect a king from the current reigning dynasty when one was available, but they, you know, technically are, you know, are elected. So in the year 1300, Wenceslas II, the king of Bohemia, is crowned king of Poland, which has already basically come under his effective control. He's been uh, selected by uh, the, you know, he's been kind of agreed, it's been kind of agreed upon with the previous king, who then gets assassinated, and some people think he did it, and some people don't. So in my alternative universe, the Polish nobility just went absolutely fucking wild, and instead of electing Wenceslas, they uh, decided to choose, and this is sort of inspired by the fact that uh, they did elect a, you know, somebody who was, like, part of the French royal house in the 16th century. So this is sort of inspired by that. Okay. So in this wild alternative universe, in the year 1300, they instead elected Thomas, who is the recently named second Earl of Lancaster, following the death of his father, Edmund Crouchback. And so his father was the brother of King Edward I of England. So we've got somebody who has this connection to the English royal house, uh, but is not like kind of directly in line. He would then, by the way, in real life, he would become involved in opposition to his uh, first cousin, Edward II, and it was executed in 1322. But alternative universe Thomas uh, ends up instead going off to Poland. And from his base in Poland, in my alternative universe, he goes on to conquer a wide swath of neighboring territories. So in Aldovia, I'm going to say, technically traces its heritage to the beginning of the reign of King Thomas I of Poland in 1300, who was, of course, crowned on Christmas Day. 
course. Uh, strictly speaking, of course, but strictly speaking, I'll say the uh, the history of Aldovia proper as a country with more or less these borders goes back to the division of territories into different kingdoms between Thomas's sons. Uh, so Aldovia, I'll say, comes under the rule of his eldest son, Edward, when Thomas dies of dysentery in 1327. All right. At this point, we are <laughs> descending into pure fiction. Uh, so this is why everybody in Aldovia speaks English is because they are, you know, have is because this was uh, brought into being by this uh, English king of Poland, Poland and then this uh, king of Aldovia. Given that this country's entire personality is Christmas, nothing can convince me that there is a single Jewish resident of the kingdom of Aldovia. Um, so I decided to come up with an explanation for that. So uh, Thomas's uncle, Edward I of England, actually expelled the Jews from England in 1290 and encouraged Thomas to do the same. But Thomas decided against this, citing economic reasons, as was often the case, that Jews are perceived as being kind of good for the economy, essentially. Okay due to, you know, kind of economic state, you know, economic stereotypes and economic anti-Semitism, which often goes badly for the Jews, but every now and then, you know, works in their <laughs> favor, practically speaking. And in fact, in the first uh, almost century of Aldovia's history, like century or so of Aldovia's history, uh, it would encourage Jewish settlement with generous privileges, as uh, in fact, uh, in reality, as uh, Poland was in fact doing at this okay. time in real life. Very cool. However, oh, no. in 1402, obviously on Christmas Day, the Jews are falsely accused of a ritual murder of Christian children. Oh, no. And a number of communal leaders are then executed. And the following Christmas, obviously, the Jews are then formally expelled from Aldovia. That is horrific. Oh, no. I decided that Aldovia probably during World War II sided with their uh, English distant cousins and were not technically on the side of the Nazis, but that they did absolutely completely refuse to accept any Jewish refugees into their kingdom, whose entire personality is Christmas. Christmas concentration camps are now a thing I'm going to think about this week. <laughs> the three you C's. You are welcome. The three C's. You are welcome. We might think that Christmas ornaments are invented in Germany sometime between the, like the 16th, 17th century. This is wrong. They're <laughs> obviously invented in Aldovia. And they're invented in Aldovia in the 15th century. And this acorn ornament, which is such a big deal, was actually widely distributed to celebrate a dual victory, which involved not only the end of the war with Panglia, but I suggest the Christianization of Panglia. So because it doesn't make any sense, right, that on that in 1419, it does not make any sense that this like Mongol Khanate is going to actually be Christian. And so my my explanation for what Panglia is at this point is that so the Khanate of the Golden Horde, which is one of the kind of the kind of like states that the Mongol Empire broke into the Khanate of the Golden Horde in the late 14th century, then fragments into a bunch of smaller Khanates. So I'm suggesting that Penglia is one of those. Okay. There are, there's this war between Penglia and Aldovia and it says that he was inspired by the season, but I think this is really just glossing over the uh, the full story, which is that, according to legend, Prince June of Panglia had a vision of the Virgin Mary giving birth to the infant Christ to emerge from the womb and asked uh, and immediately asked him why he was persecuting his children in Aldovia. Amazing. <laughs> so June instantly converted to Christianity, was baptized, and agreed to the treaty. <laughs> okay. 
I then further suggest that it is this alliance between Panglia and Aldovia, rooted, of course, in uh, Panglia's Christianization, which is what enabled this kingdom to avoid, like most of the other Mongol Khanates, uh, being incorporated into the expanding state of Russia. So Russia exists. Britain exists. Does France exist? Yes. I think so. Okay. I don't think there's a reason France can't exist. Okay. Germany. Here I'm saying that I think there is still... A German country. Something... Okay. So, well, so, okay. There is something, essentially, I think we do have the Holy Roman Empire. Okay, so we're not even getting into... So let's... We're not even into the present yet. That's fair. I think there is a Holy Roman Empire, but the Holy Roman Empire has lost some of its territory to these uh, these conquests of uh, King Thomas of Poland. So it does not have quite the same boundaries. Okay. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but we do end up then eventually, you know, post the Holy Roman Empire, we will eventually end up with uh, with a Germany. I'm a little unclear as to whether we end up with an Austria. I think we might mm. not have an Austria. I think maybe like parts of Austria are in Aldovia and the rest are really just actually in Germany. That's fair. I finally remembered Prussia. I could not remember what Germany was called prior to Germany. Uh, sorry. And right. I was like... And everything I kept thinking of, I was like, that is the French way of pronouncing it. So I knew that was wrong. But yes, sorry. <laughs> Do you know it was Prussia? <laughs> so this is my theory of how the uh, the kingdom of Aldovia came into being in this alternate, in this, uh, alternate universe that we are living no, in. No, I love it. I love the idea of Poland being a bigger power that eventually becomes a Christmas country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And wait, okay, hold on. Oh, no. (laughs) I need to look up also because I need to make another connection. Okay. I need to look up what is the opening year in the night before Christmas. (laughs) What is the year that uh, that coal is in? Because this is this might be crucial here. Because obviously they're eventually going to be incorporated into the uh, extended Christmas. Oh, sure. Yes, so they are in 1334. So let's see. So I think that means that the King of England would have been Edward III. So that would have been uh, Thomas's first cousin once removed. Damn, all right. I think, you know, so actually it is kind of makes sense, right? I mean, Cole is not necessarily, right, super familiar. You know, he doesn't necessarily uh, recognize the ornament, but he uh, he might be aware of, like, he's like, oh, Aldovia. That's, like, one of those, like, new little, like, states that uh, this uh, that, that English guy has established recently. You know, that may or may not last. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a... He's like, huh, Aldovia's still around. <laughs> there's a book series uh, that imagines America as a monarchy rather than what it is and it it's not good i'm not recommending it because it instead of like actually imagining a a new history a lot of it is just okay we took the presidents out and put in a here's a royal family yeah and a lot of listening to you describe and come up with this alternate history reminded me of that but like better so thank you. I appreciate now understanding how these countries came to exist and that we're just looking at a multiverse. 
got it. Yeah, I I think that's really the explanation for it, is that this is just an alternative universe, and in this alternative universe, a bunch of weird shit <laughs> happened out in Central and Eastern Europe in the early 14th century. You know, butterfly effect, these are the results. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a modernist, so I am not going to, like, weigh in any further than I have on, like, how this, like, impacted, like, subsequent, like, world historical events. But I think I have decided that I think, like, World War II in some form did happen. There's no reason that there isn't, like, still, like, a Germany that I think probably does border Aldovia. For sure, and probably claimed some of Aldovia's land during World War II, like for sure yeah there are very possibly concentration camps on the uh like western borders of aldovia i'm just saying christmas concentration camps christmas concentration camps <laughs> <laughs> the, like, i mean actually they're probably i mean which actually makes sense because I mean, most of the concentration camp like the concentration camps aren't really in germany yeah. like they're in poland yeah there are absolutely concentration camps in Aldovia, everybody. You're welcome. I don't have a ton of knowledge, um, but I did take 20th, 19th, I'm really bad, 20th century world literature, which uh, the class I took specifically was on Eastern European literature. Mm-hmm. And basically the most depressing semester of reading I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I keep flashing back to some of those books being like, hmm, how different would it be if this had Christmas flair? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, Christmas, Christmas flair. I feel like also the Aldovian. So, like, I recently went to, uh, I was in England recently and, like, ended up, like, weirdly going to, like, a bunch of the places which were actually the sites of, like, medieval ritual murder accusations. And so got to see the, like, variety of ways in which churches memorialized it. Interesting. And there was one which, like, made the weird choice that I was not fond of personally that they linked it with like a chapel dedicated to the massacre of the innocents. And so they were like, it seemed like it, which was like a story about like a Jewish King murdering children to no. try and get Jesus. No. And so like that seemed really problematic. And then they had this like nice prayer that was like a prayer by like a victim of the Nazis, but like a Christian one. No, no, <laughs> That's kind of how I think Aldovia Very is uh, so. is memorializing yeah. their uh, their 1402 ritual murder accusation in the Cathedral of Aldovia. Aldovia, yeah, it's one of those countries that a lot of people. I mean, clearly the industry has to be tourism, right? Like, I I assume yeah. that. The second movie is very vague about what the actual, like, industries of Aldovia is. Oh, yeah. It's entirely about economics, but you have no idea of what the actual industries are. Like, the only workers we see actually, like, going on strike are, like, the theater workers. Which is fair. Like, and I guess there could be an entire country whose identity... Not a country as big as it apparently is, but... Yeah. Which... I guess kudos for, like, officially claiming that this is an alternate universe Netflix rather than pretending that, you know, this is something in between a bunch of countries we actually recognize. But, yeah, it's got to be tourism. 
Yeah. And, but, like, as a, it's, like, a large country. Like, I don't know if Netflix totally did this on purpose or if the person who, like, dealt with this map just did a real shit job. But, like... <laughs> it's massive. It's, like, it is very large. Like, there is a lot. Like, Aldovia and Belgravia are both, like, massive. You know, it's really hoping to win over that tourism industry in America that's all about going to become a royal? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> and celebrating Christmas. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like they're actually maybe really trying to get, like, Christmas tourism because there's, like, so much emphasis on, like, the Christmas market. And, like, Belgravia, too, has, like, this whole, like, Christmas baking fair, I'm pretty sure, is, like, central. Like, I can't remember if that's yes. Belgravia or Montenegro. Well, yeah, what, one of the two. <laughs> one of them has that. At, like, I can't remember which of the countries is which in that movie, but... Yeah, there's, like, there's, like, a lot of these countries whose, like, entire personality is Christmas. Yeah. And as I said, I just simply do not believe that there is a longstanding uh, Jewish population (laughs) in Aldovia. So I just, I just absolutely, I was like, no, they've got to have expelled the Jews at some point. That's so... On Christmas. It was definitely (laughs) on Christmas. Oh, it was definitely on Christmas. No, it was on Christmas. (laughs) (sighs) I wonder, do we know when Richard's birthday is? Because it's probably. Christmas. I was gonna say, is there ne- like, if your child, your firstborn child, is not born on Christmas, does it automatically skip them for the first child that is born on Christmas? Oh, or maybe that's the curse. Ooh. <laughs> maybe the curse is that you're not born on Christmas. Interesting. Actually, I wonder if you would probably have to like really like freeze frame. That's not the word people use in the 21st century. You would probably have to like actually like pause and get a screenshot. But we do see Richard's birth certificate. What? In the first movie, because that's oh, how you find out he's adopted. That's right. Is that they've got like his real birth certificate and the adoption certificate in the fake birth certificate that they made up lying and saying he's actually the child of Helena and whatever the hell his father's name is. Interesting. Okay. We may not know his real birthday. Maybe that's why they adopted the kid. There are so many implications here. Right? I need to know how many of the children of this monarchy have been born on Christmas and whether it is thought to be bad luck if they are not born on Christmas. I also feel bad for said kid. I mean, the kid's going to be spoiled again. He's She's a princess. But having your birthday that close to the holiday, like literally on the holiday, it has right? to suck. That's rough. That does suck. Okay, my other question about... Aldovia in recent times, they had this massive modernization initiative, right, that has, like, boosted the economy so much that they've paid off $4 billion of debt. This still has not involved building a subway. (laughs) (laughs) What is the public transportation like in Aldovia? I have no idea. There is no, like, there is no evidence, like, so there's, like, a subway in, like, urban centers, which, like, presumably they must have. But also, I'm like, are there trains? Like, is there a functioning train system in Aldovia? There has to be. I feel like we're the only country that doesn't have a functioning train system. Right. Yeah. Are there trains? But we never, like, do we ever see a train station? We see the airport. Oh, that reminds me of the other question, which, like, 
kind of sent me on a rabbit uh, or down a spiral. Her dad is flying commercial. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great comment. And like, part of me was like, uh, I mean, I can kind of understand from the standpoint of like going green, you know, especially if it is a European country. Um, I think that they do have more stringent um, emissions. I'm totally blanking on the words over here. That being said, it still feels like a safety hazard to have the father. I, I mean, he's not in any kind of succession or anything, but like. He is now an earl, though. Oh, yeah. No, they that's make him weird. An earl okay, it's weird. In the last movie. It's. He is an Earl of Aldovia. It's weird he's flying commercial. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, A, the flight is uh, flight 1225, which I groaned. I did not realize that. That is awful. <laughs> and also, I'm like, he's in this airport and they're just making announcements being like, flight 1225 to Aldovia is still canceled. I feel like they wouldn't do no. that. I feel like they'd just be like, it's canceled. Go home. Yeah. Or go talk to, you know, someone about it. But go go stand in a line for the next four hours <laughs> yes exactly as what yeah but like i feel like they would not be announcing like no actually it's still canceled yeah and like it, the fact that he's like i was the first one on the plane and i was like your own plane i, I just don't it commercial flight 1225 to aldovia this yeah it doesn't make sense but then again i i was sitting there and i was like i don't know if Megan and uh, Harry fly coach, or not even coach, or just commercial. I assume. I mean, but they've also been like kicked out of the true, but family kind of. So. Even before then, were they flying? I, I don't know. Yeah. Or like yeah. at the very least, yeah. the fact that he doesn't have a charter account. Right. Like it's yeah. Also, like I feel like Aldovian air is like awful. Oh, it's got to be, yeah. Like, I feel like the like the airline, I feel like, just, like, has to be a truly terrible airline. Oh, yeah, for sure. With, like, especially bad food. I'm convinced of this. I'm also curious. I, you probably could fly direct. Especially from New York. Yeah. I don't know. From Memphis, we're sure as hell not getting a direct flight to Aldovia. No, but. you're either going to New York, Detroit, or Atlanta first. But that's okay. Yep. That's okay. I, I can't get a direct flight to anywhere because FedEx has ruined our airspace. Yep. Yeah, I just... They're, it's as if they forget what like a royalty means in some of these, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, because also it kind of seems like, like in the second movie, there was this whole bit about how, like, during the year of their engagement, like, Richard and Amber have kept flying back and forth. And, like, for them, it also kind of seems like they're, like, like they're flying commercial and have, like, their passports stamped like normal people. Yeah, that doesn't feel, especially a king. Yeah. He is the actual functioning king of Aldovia. And he, like, fucking flies to New York every two weeks to visit his girlfriend. No, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like something that is actually, no, sorry. <laughs> like. This country is weird. I understand that Taylor Swift and Elon Musk are ruining the world by their frequent f short flights, but, um. Yeah, no, I can understand if you're a king and needing to hop on. Every two weeks, that's fine. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a choice. It is a choice. There are a lot of choices. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> this movie. That is fair. Fabula Nostra. So my next segment is usually the uh, the Fabula Nostra, where uh, we create ideas for a uh, film or show inspired by this one. I feel like I just came up with an entire alternative history. So I guess mine is just that is uh, I'm going to have the like dark. I'm going to have the like, uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the like grim dark like medieval miniseries <laughs> about <laughs> the medieval history of like oh, the like medieval history of Aldovia. The HBO show. Yeah. I uh let's see here. I think what we need at this point is either the perception from the rest of the world that isn't just America of like do people now fear Christmas because of Aldovia? <laughs> That's like truly what, especially like hearing your alternate history, that is what my thought process was, was like, I don't know, you right. expelled all the the Jews on Christmas? Like, damn, I'd be like, you know mm-hmm. what? This is no longer something I celebrate. That's fair. Yeah. Right, and then and then also like we we have like uh, King uh, King Ty saying you know something like there's no place more like Christmassy than Aldovia. I'm like, is that a promise or anything? exactly? So I want the TikTok or YouTube alternate trailers or whatever that turns this into a horror movie. That it, I mean, it's a monarchy. Yeah. Like monarchies aren't good things. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I don't understand her obsession with it. Yeah. Especially in this context. Yeah, where like the monarchy actually like has power. I'm like this is terrible. I absolutely now want just this random Netflix Christmas movie about an American monarch that takes place in this universe where it's like, "Oh, turns out the entire time the US had a monarch too." You could have been queen of your own country. Nice job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sounds great. I mean, you've got so many. And, like, I don't know. We could have, like, a sixth Vanessa Hudgens. Like, who yeah, knows? I mean, maybe that's why there's not a lot of employees at this castle. Because at some point, you start hiring too many Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> It's a real problem in this world. It really apparently is. <laughs> there are just far too many Vanessa Hudgenses. I need that Black Mirror episode now. <laughs> and because really, like, we've got, like, we've got three of, like, by the time you finish up the Princess Switch franchise. And then there's also Vanessa yeah. Hudgens in The Night Before Christmas. And I get it. Like, the whole, you know, there's only so many combinations of how people can look. But four Vanessa Hutchinsons and one... No, I'm sorry. It's too many. It's just too many. The, it's too many Vanessa Hutchins. The simulation's breaking down. Estimatio. We now have the rating we rate this film on a scale of one to five based on completely subjective criteria um fuck it i think i'm gonna go with like a 2.5 like is it good no 
did I absolutely break my entire brain trying to figure out the map of Aldovia and invent an alternative history for it that now I kind of want to like give as a lecture to my students and like do it with a straight face and see how much of them buy it? Like, yes. please do. Um, please let that be like one of your last be. lectures. I think I'm going to do that. I mean, now I just want to do that in like all of my classes, like on April Fool's. Yes. Because it was like part of me was like, you should just do it in December. But that is so close to finals that I'm like, eh, maybe there's just not time. But it is a perfect April Fool's class for sure. I know. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that next semester. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I thoroughly enjoy watching this dumb shit. <laughs> like, I am, like, so here for the Netflix extended Christmas universe. Uh, yeah, I can't fault them for that. I give it a solid two stars. I It did make me yeah. tear up uh, in part... Mm the talking of more just like everything this year that's about women it should take up space Mm -hmm. and reminding women to take up space and to you know yeah exist and to take credit for things that they've done and then the and that that's Mm -hmm. okay yeah so like yeah it having that message i'm gonna cry and that, like, you can care about being a mom and, yeah. like, be, like, really care about, like, your, like, work, whatever that entails. Yeah, I... Like, I, that's actually kind of nice. I do appreciate that, too. Yeah, it's it's nice to have... I mean, a queen's gonna have to have a kid. It is, you know, that's, that right. is the whole point of the monarchy. But it is a nice message about motherhood, for sure. Yeah. And I just, the the women aren't catty towards each other. Like, there's some miscommunications, but overall, they are, it feels like a genuine friendship by the end. Yeah, I I think that actually is a good point. And, oh my god, does this movie pass the Bechdel test, technically? I think it It does. It does, technically, yeah. Huh. (laughs) Because she definitely talks about, like, parenting. Yeah with both her mother-in-law and with Queen Ming. And I think she also talks, like, briefly about, like, politics and, like, programs for new mothers oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. With Ming. She does, for sure. Yeah. yeah. This movie absolutely passes the Bechdel test. And that that scene, that conversation about, you know, the doing stuff for moms and women and, and how she's adopted that mm-hmm. into her economical plans happens, again, juxtapositioned against... Himbo Kings saying that's Lynn's fortitude and let's go build a uh-huh. crib improperly. And this movie came out in 2019, but it also just has great Barbie vibes. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of does. And like, also actually, like if you go back to like the first one, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's kind of a nice message that like adopted children are like real like like adopted children count, yeah. right? That like the adopted kid ends up like taking the throne, like and that like I don't know. This is like maybe kind of decent. Yeah, I I mean except for the like weird pro monarchy stuff. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean again, monarchy's not how we should have in this world not what we should have in this world, but it is a good message overall. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Damn. I think we did yeah. it. We made these movies better than they are. I think we did. <laughs> huh. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Also, I think this movie, I think that map genuinely broke my brain. God, that map. I'm glad that they finally did a map, but man, that was. 
it's kind of worse if it was a map, actually. <laughs> Especially because, as I said, I really, like, would have thought that there was, like, this, like, tiny-ass co- country, like, I don't know, nestled, like, yes. to Monaco or something. And instead it's like, no. This is, like, these, like, these, like, three stupid fake countries are, like, 80% of Eastern Europe. Yeah, and I'm having mixed feelings about wiping out the history of Eastern Europe because it is such a war-torn part right? of Europe, but... Also, just I mean, being I like, guess, like, the, like, war of the, like, wars in the Balkans, I guess that just straight up didn't happen, because that's all, like, happy Christmassy fucking Aldovia. <laughs> I guess. God, that's a choice. That is a choice. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. So, Megan, thank you so much for going on this absolute journey with me. No, thank you. It's been a minute since I've done something like this, and I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, where could the listeners find you on the internet? Easiest place to find me is anywhere on social media at Meg Griffin. Uh, Meg is with two Gs. Uh, Or you can visit featheredfrequency.com, which is going to have, that's my production company and has uh, links to my podcasts. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app and rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. Please also follow the podcast. Uh, We are currently still on X. I'm working on other social media, but I'm very busy. So I'm trying to maneuver that. Yeah. Uh, But we are there for the moment on Media Evil Pod. Please also join our Facebook group. And you can find me on X. I hate calling it that. And Instagram at Sarah Ift Decker. Whatever social media, that seems to be where I am. And if you have any questions or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Megan, thank you again. No, thank you. And thank you all for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Heck. It's going to be fun. I don't know if I'm ready to be a queen and a mom. We'll depart a first clearing. I know you don't believe in the curse, but right now, I need your help. We'll leave no stone unturned. No one does Christmas like the Aldovians. What is it? I can't even reach my own slippers. Allow me. Perfect fit.